So today we're going to look into a theme that we're going to call fellowship. And this is just for today, um, but we're going to do this out of 1 John chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible and you'd like to turn there, uh, this is towards the back of the Bible. So you'll find a few little books there together. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Jude's also a little book right there. Um, Revelation will be your last one. So if you're not sure where it is, you can flip to the back. If you don't have a Bible, well one, if you'd let us know, we'd like to put one in your hands. We want you to have your own Bible that you can mark in, that you can study, take home, use it yourself, um, and not have to rely on what's on a wall or what you hear a person say on a Sunday. Um, but for our benefit, it's also on the wall there to help as we progress through this, this thought today. But always, we like to talk before we get rolling. And so I'd like to talk with you just around this word fellowship. So when you think of this word fellowship, what's it bring to mind? Like fellowship, what's, what's it draw you towards? What do you think of? Ma'am? Coming together. Good. Fellowship. Sharing with one another. Good. Unity. Good. You guys read my message this morning. I think we're done. Anybody else? Fellowship? So if you're a Baptist, it makes you think of food, right? I can remember as a child thinking that. You know, you hear the pastor say, after service, we're going to have a time of fellowship which meant we were eating, right? We were going to run the church halls and get into things that we shouldn't be in, and we were going to eat. And as a kid, that's what fellowship was, at least what we understood it to be. What were you saying? Alignment. Alignment? All right, good. Anybody else? Fellowship? So we call this, or I call this, uh, the church's F word, and it's a positive one. All right, and so it's, the fellowship of the church. Because you don't use this word anywhere else. Right? When have you heard somebody say, hey, after our ball game tonight, let's go to the bar and fellowship? Or there's a football game on this Sunday, come over and fellowship with me. We don't say that, do we? No, we say come and hang out or let's go spend some time together or I'll meet up with you there. Those are the kind of terms we use. So fellowship has got a really unique connection to the church. And we're going to look into that today from 1 John chapter 1. All right? So if you were to define it, and you guys have already defined it here very clearly, but in, uh, in a dictionary, here's some of the things it says. It's, com- it's communion or partnership with others. It's, it's where there's a mutual benefit between a group of people. So when I come together, it's not just about what do I get, but it's about how can I come and bring. What do I bring? What do I offer? How do I help? somebody else. It's a mutual benefit. It's not just about me. And so we'll look into that thought a little bit as some others, as John writes here in 1 John 1. And so John has written this letter and he's writing to encourage some believers. And these guys um, are needing some assurance. Have you ever needed assurance? Ever needed assurance that somebody thought you were doing a good job? Sometimes you just need that, you know, I'm proud of you. You're doing good. Whether it's a boss or a spouse or a parent to a child, um, for, or a pastor to a uh, flock, vice versa. Sometimes you just need to know, hey, you know, that's, that's good. I'm trying to encourage you. I want you to have assurance about what you're doing. And so John wrote initially, at the end of his Gospel, 
In John 20, he says, I'm writing these things so that you who believe in them will, will have eternal life. And as he writes 1 John, he's writing a lot to say, I want you to have assurance that you have eternal life. You ever doubted your salvation? You ever doubted that God could actually forgive you? Like you're beyond salvation. You've done too much or thought too many things or said too many evil words. Like there's no way God could fix this mess. Right? What the Scriptures tell us is that that's not true. You can never sin to a point where God doesn't love you. And you can never do so many good things where God loves you more. And that's a hard thought to get our heads around sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes, because that's how it works with one another. The more I do good to you, then the more favorably you think towards me. And the more evil I do to you, the more or the less favorable you think of me. And Scripture says it's not about our deeds, our works. Faith works, no doubt. But it has nothing to do with, with salvation. That's all Jesus. And, and we trust and rest there in Him. And so John's writing to give them some assurance about their salvation and some some great advice as to what it means to be part of the fellowship. So 1 John 1 is where we're going to be. We're going to read this whole first chapter. There's ten verses. And you can follow along here in your Bible or on the wall this morning. John writes and says, That which was from the beginning, he's speaking of Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And so John had had an, an advantage that you and I don't have today. He was an eyewitness. Right? He walked with Jesus. He had literal face-to-face -face conversation with God in the flesh. And so he's saying, I'm just telling you what really happened. This we proclaim concerning the Word of life. Concerning Jesus. He appeared. The life appeared and we've seen it and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. And this is the message we have heard from Him and we declare to you, God is light. And in Him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and we walk in the darkness then we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Anybody say you've never sinned? So at least we're not that far gone. Right? To be in a spot where you say, I've never sinned is to be entirely deceived. But if we confess our sins, knowing we've sinned, if we confess our sins, then He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And if we claim we've not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, so His Word is not in us. So a few things we'll highlight here, specifically from the middle portions of this text as it relates to fellowship. Fellowship with one another. Fellowship with God the Father. Fellowship with the Son. And what that looks like played out in the life of, of believers. Alright, so you can track on your bulletin if you want to. You don't have to at all, but you can write down these uh, if that's your desire. Alright, so number one here. Fellowship is going to begin 
where the gospel is believed. Fellowship begins where the gospel is believed. And this is an important point to make uh, in a time where we begin to see church attendance declining. Like there are people who walk the planet who call themselves Christians who just say it doesn't matter if I go to church or not. That's fine. God's created you to have the ability to have an opinion. But we need to make sure we hold out what the Bible says. Connected to salvation is fellowship. Right? So, is fellowship required for salvation? Do you have to come join a body and then you can be saved? No. Is fellowship an option for those who are saved? I would say no. I don't need to join a body and then be saved, but here it's connected to salvation. So those who are saved, it's not, hey, go if you want to, or be connected or committed, or remember if you'd like. It's like it's just the natural next step. Those who are saved will fellowship. And those who are not, won't. And he gives us some signs here, some examples of what it looks like to be part of the fellowship. But we'll get to that in just a minute. Here's some ways though that the Bible outlines what it looks like to be connected to the fellowship. And some of these you know. See if you can finish this. So, we are the bride and Jesus is the... He's the groom, right? Or He's the bridegroom as Scripture teaches. So the church is His bride. New Testament teaching. We are the branches. He is the... He's the vine. And so here's this connection or this fellowship. You don't have a random vine out somewhere. You don't have a second wife somewhere. It's all one, right? Paul taught we're all one. We're all bound up as one. Uh, There's one flock under one shepherd. Sorry, I didn't give you that one to fill in. There's one king, right? And he's got his own kingdom. And we become a part of that. There's one family with one father. There's one building with one foundation. And a New Testament teaching that's unique to the New Testament is that there's a body. And that body is how many? It's one. So there's one connected body. That's a a picture in part of fellowship. You don't have just a stranded elbow out somewhere. I love Jesus, but I'm a loner elbow. We've got a misunderstanding of Scripture. Where there's salvation, there will be fellowship. You and I might call it optional, but the Scriptures do not. So understanding this is an important principle if we're going to understand fellowship in the life of the church. So connection to fellowship is not an afterthought. It's not a scheme to try to get things out of people. You'll hear people sometimes say that about church. The only thing they want when you go there is their what? Money. That's all they ask you for. They need your money so they can build bigger buildings and do whatever they want to do. Alright, scripturally teaching, that can be further from the truth. And I pray that's our heart here as well. Our goal is not to get into your pockets so we can have bigger or more or better anything. Our goal here is to honor and glorify the Lord. And one of the ways we do that is in this alignment of fellowship. So let's go back to verse 3. And let's look at this, alright? 1 John 1.3 We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have what? So that you may have fellowship with us. Okay? This isn't again just a random thought. Take it if you want. You don't have to do, uh, you don't have to be a part. It is something that here Scripture would call us to. So it's, it's a natural progression and fellowship is vital to the health of a church. Alright? It's not just about food. 
There are things that go way beyond food. A lot of times it happens around food, no doubt. Uh, but there's something deeper here that is this thing called fellowship. Uh, is Christianity a spectator event? Now, this is something God's been working on my heart here, guys, for a while as it relates to our church family. I don't believe it's God's plan for you to come and sit and listen to one guy talk. What does that look like then? I don't know. I don't have the answer for that yet. But I do know that I'm gifted and so are you by the Spirit of God. And you're gifted to be mutually beneficial to this body and this body then to this community. So how then do you use what God's blessed you with as you come in here to be mutually beneficial to the people sitting beside you? And how can we collectively then be mutually beneficial to those we live around? Right? Something that you might be in prayer about as we seek to live out the gifting of the Spirit in our life, fulfilling the mission that God has laid out here before us. So it's, it's not a spectator. It's not come ride the pine and listen to somebody talk. It's a common shared belief among, among believers. So where there's faith, what you and I should find is fellowship. Where there's faith, there's fellowship. I love God. I hate the church. Just isn't biblical. I love God. I don't need the church is a lie. You're deceived if you think that that is true. All right? Have people legitimately been hurt by church people? Yes. All right? We've all hurt people. Somewhere along the way, you've said something, I've said something, we've acted in a way that hurt somebody, and they didn't like it. And some of those people left. And some of those people are still outside saying, I love Jesus, I just hate the church. All right? We need to remember one of the prominent principal teachings out of the whole Bible is forgiveness. If the Bible talks so much about forgiveness, I think it should just help us know we're going to mess it up a lot. And we're going to need to extend that to one another over and over, right? Forgive how? Forgive just as you've been forgiven. How many of your sins has God forgiven? All of them. So then it doesn't matter. I was talking with a parent this week. She was telling me a story from last year about her sixth grade son. I didn't even know this happened. Two weeks before school was out, a boy came up and took a swing at him and missed, spit in his face. And so they had a conversation with the principal and one boy ends up going home. Well, the boy that got spit on who had a swing taken at him was much bigger. And he goes home and he's telling his parents what happened. Well, his dad is upset. Son, that's a challenge to your manhood. When somebody takes a swing at you, you, you're required to swing back. If they don't hit you, it doesn't matter. That's, that's getting in your private space. And if they spit in your face, you should never... He was mad at his son. I can't believe you did... You're a coward? He was just berating his son at the table. And his son, when his dad finally got quiet, said, Dad, we were just talking about this in Bible class. And there's a time to fight. And there's a time not to fight. And I just felt like this wasn't the time to fight. And I said, well, what did his dad say to that? And she said, he couldn't say a word. Like, what would you say to that? Like, man, that's a, that's a smart kid listening to a Bible teacher, right? That's no credit to me. It was just like, that was great, right? So there comes a time where there's time to act and there's also a time where we need to, to step back. But sometimes we feel like we're being challenged and I need to swing back. No, I need to forgive. And I need to step that direction quickly. And I've told you this and I'll keep telling you this because I need you to tell it back to me. I've already made up my mind I'll forgive you whatever you do to me. Regardless of what it costs me. Regardless of how much it hurts in the moment. 
You can try to ruin me. And I pray that my heart will always be, forgive them, Lord. Help me forgive them. Now, I don't anticipate that. Don't misunderstand me. I just need you to help call me back to that. Because along the way, people hurt me. Along the way, I get upset at people. And I'm not necessarily here, just people driving down the road I can get upset with. Right? And they don't have a clue. And sometimes I act like I don't have a clue. I just need to know that I've already made a decision. My heart's prepared. I'm going to act the way that God has taught me to act. I'm part of His fellowship. And as such, I represent something bigger than myself. Mutually beneficial to one another. So where there is faith, where there's faith, there should be fellowship. And this fellowship's intimate. It's personal. Right? True fellowship isn't just, hey, nice weather today. I was going to say who's pitching today, but uh-oh, right? I can't say that anymore. Right? Are they out of season? Oh, we got one more game. Okay. So we could talk that way. Um, and by the way, nothing wrong with talking that way, right? That's just part of how we connect. But it's getting to that deeper level. What's going on in your world that's really kind of rocking your faith right now? What is it that's causing you to question or to doubt God? What question do you have right now that you just can't really get an answer to? What within you is creating such a, a lack of unrest? Like, how can I pray for you? Where it's taking time to really be concerned about somebody spiritually. Encouraging one another. Being kind. Bearing each other's burdens. All sorts of one another's in the New Testament. Right? That's true fellowship. So as we heard earlier, Baptists enjoy their food. As we enjoy our fried chicken, right? that tends to be something that you find at a, at a potluck dinner. We also need to enjoy one another's company and enjoy what's going on in each other's life and take time to pursue what God's doing there. Right? That's fellowship. When we walk in and out on a Sunday and say hi and bye, that's being polite and friendly. But that's not true fellowship. Right? In Acts 2, we get an example of true fellowship. It's not the way, but it is a way. And we see how the early believers did it here. And I just want to read this. Let's look at this. People were preaching. People were believing. What was the next step? Preach the Word. People coming to Christ. What did they do next? Here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to what? And to fellowship. Devoted to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And they praised God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right? Do you see the connection here? Preaching, belief, and then what happens next? Part of it is fellowship. It's just the natural progression. So to say, I'll take Jesus, I'll just hold off on the church, is not, not only is it not what the Bible teaches, it's not what's not good for us to avoid it or to abstain. And so fellowship is what happened 
next. And they devoted themselves to it. And here's the thing. This is what concerns me sometimes. They, they saw the value in it. Like when you woke up this morning, your clock went off, and you started intentionally getting dressed to come here. Was that because you saw value in gathering together with these people? I mean, are you here because your experience here is good for you spiritually and is also good for you to be here for other people spiritually? Like what drove you here other than your car? What motivated you to come other than obligation? I'm a Christian and Christians go to church on Sunday and it's Sunday so I'm going to church. Is there, is there something that you're living genuinely where you're experiencing true fellowship here? See, that's what's going to be one of those things that works in the lives of people that don't believe. We could hire in the greatest speaker on the planet to stand here week after week. And he might draw some people in, but what's going to change people and help them desire to come back is if there's something that they're genuinely experiencing when they gather with other people. Is there true fellowship? And we could perform music like they're going to perform in heaven. Not necessarily perform, but that it's going to be worship in heaven. And that might draw some people in. But is it going to draw them to stay? Like, is there something that they're experiencing beyond just a voice or a sound? Is there this connection? Is there this beauty in fellowship? And that's, that's what I pray for. That's what I want to be a part of personally. And I pray that's something that you're after as well. And so this is an important principle. Right? The Bible tells us that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And that's true. Everyone on the planet has sinned. Therefore, everyone on the planet is in need of a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior for anyone and everyone. Whoever trusts in Jesus alone will have eternal life. You'll be forgiven of your sins. And that's not a made-up phrase from a pastor. That's what the Bible teaches us. We read it this morning. 1 John 1 here just a few minutes ago. If you say you're not a sinner, then you're deceiving yourself. But if you are a sinner, and if you confess your sins, God is what? He's faithful, and He's just, and He will, and He will forgive. How many of our sins? He will forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's truth. That's to be experienced. It's not just make up my mind to accept this as fact. This moves beyond my head to where I experience it personally. Where I go from burdened to relieved. Where I go from lacking peace and hope to having hope and peace and assurance. Where there's just rest. Right? Come to me if you're burdened because I'll give you rest. You've not been meant to carry your sin around and neither have I. And so, yes, we're sinners in need of a Savior. And yes, Jesus is that Savior. But one of the beautiful things about being part of those who are saved is that we're connected to the fellowship. Connected to other believers who are journeying together. Mutually beneficial sharing in that relationship. Where there's faith, there should be fellowship. That's what we're after too. Fellowship focuses on and finds joy in the unity of believers. It focuses on focuses on fellowship, finds joy in fellowship, this unity of believers. So somebody earlier said the word unity or alignment. There are other words there that spoke to this idea of being 
one. And so as we read in the Bible, we've never been created to live in isolation. Ever. And yet much of what we do kind of fuels an isolated lifestyle today. Did you know, maybe you do this, did you know that you can order groceries online and have it dropped off at your house? And you don't have to talk to a soul. Enter. And here comes these groceries. Some areas, they even deliver packages now by drone. Alright? So it's not even living. It's this object that just shows up. Bam! And Walker flies away. Now that's convenient. Right? But all along the way, we've just totally skipped the whole process of connecting with people. And so you're not walking up and down the aisles and bumping into people that you haven't seen. Oh, hey, how you doing? And you talk about family, you talk about life. I'm not saying that's necessarily fellowship. What I'm talking about here is we've kind of built in this isolation with the convenience of our technologies. And so you can order groceries. Really, you can order anything that way. You can order a car online and have it dropped off at your house. You don't have to talk to a soul. You can electronically sign for it. You can send money off and boom, there it is. Cool, right? Totally disconnected. Totally isolated. Uh, how many of you text? How many of us text? All right? So you have your phone out and you send a message to somebody. All right? On average, how many texts do you send a day? What do you think? Send and receive. Throw out a general number. A thousand? Wow, a thousand texts. One or two, okay? Five or six, okay? All right, so for some, and we've got kind of a, a generational thing here, that's what you see going on. But for some, this has become just the, the main way of communicating, right? How are you doing? Uh, smiley face, winky face, horse, whatever that means, right? You guys know how to translate that stuff. Uh-huh. Horse? I don't know where that came from. So <laughs> I don't send those emojis, all right? Not very often, so I'm not sure of that lingo. But the point is, we tend to communicate in ways where we don't really communicate. We're not really connecting. Or we might send emails. And some of you send hundreds of emails a week, maybe thousands. We respond to all sorts of emails a week, and we talk to parents, and we talk to friends. And I'm not saying any of this is wrong. I'm just saying in some ways, our convenience has led to our isolation. Did you know there are churches right now, supposedly, that exist online? It's called the e-church. So you don't show up at a building. You pay your tithes online. You listen to uh, somebody talk online. You worship in your bedroom by yourself or in your living room. And it's just you. Now we talk here about the audience of one sometimes. We worship to the audience of one. That doesn't mean we go by ourselves, right? Right? We're talking about we worship God. He's the audience of one. We do it with as many people as we can gather together to worship the audience of one. And some people, this is church for them. Now, I think there's benefit there as well. We've got church members who can no longer attend church, and so they can catch up or they can follow along with bulletins or texts or emails or messages, and that's good for them. But for some people right now, they're totally foregoing the fellowship because they can just watch it online at their convenience. Right? Fellowship, remember, it's not optional. It's not a requirement of salvation. 
But of those who are saved, they will. We've been built to be joined together, right? Not an isolated branch, not an isolated elbow, not a second bride. We're all this, we're one. So we communicate a lot, but sometimes we're isolating ourselves even in the communication. Well, let's bring in our text here, okay? Let's notice what they say about this fellowship. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship. How? With us. Fellowship with us. Alright? We want you connected. We want you joined. We want you heart to heart. We want you locked arms partnered. We believe that God has blessed us to be mutually beneficial to one another. So it's fellowship with us. And then look also, it's also fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. I can't even put that into words. I mean, we've been forgiven. The mere fact that I've been forgiven by God seems astonishing to me. Why would you ever forgive me? What have I ever done to cause you to love me remotely? Nothing. And that's why His love is unconditional. So it's one thing that He's forgiven me. But to have fellowship with God... That just seems like he's going way too far. Like, I can literally have fellowship with the Father and fellowship with the Son. Where there's a mutual benefit. Where it delights the heart of God, where we praise and honor and worship Him, and in return, as we get to know Him, we're the recipients of those benefits. And it's the same with Jesus Christ. Fellowship is not just horizontal, fellowship's vertical. We have fellowship with us, but also fellowship with the Father and with the Son. Verse 4, we write this to you to make our joy complete. Now one of the amazing things here is that fellowship is not dependent on anything other than Jesus Christ. I was talking with somebody else here this past week, Thursday, walking across a field at SIUE. Just asking, how are things going with your church? How are you doing? Oh, doing real good. Doing real good. And so we started having this conversation. Um, and they were talking about just some changes that they felt like God was prodding them to make. It's another church right here in our own community. And, and I started talking about, well, just some changes that we did early on here as well. Like, we've gathered here this morning, and we are age 8 to the upper end, right? Whatever the upper end is in this room. Can an 8-year-old fellowship with an 88-year-old? A 90-year-old? Absolutely. Isn't that beautiful? And you don't get the vantage point that I get or that those who lead up here get sometimes in music. Just seeing this and this sing together. Or seeing when even the smaller children are in here. It's like, we can be mutually beneficial to one another. There's something really binding and warming and encouraging where all classes and barriers and boxes are dropped and we're all just equal. We're all Christians at the foot of the cross in need of the same Savior. See, all this stuff that we fight about, and I say we like our country, in Christ it all just fades, doesn't it? Wasn't it Paul who said there's no Jew or Gentile or Greek? There's no male or female? Right? It's not about being slave or free. 
but it's Jesus. To me, this is one of the really beautiful things of, of fellowship. And so I encourage you, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds, invest in the 80, 70, 60, 50-year-olds. I dare you, ask them the question, how was your week? What's God teaching you? What's one thing that you would share with me you think could help me in my life right now? Just ask him a question. And vice versa. You see one of these children running by? Hey, wait just a minute. How was your week this week? How can I pray for you? What's something you have going on that makes you a little bit nervous or uneasy? What are you afraid of? Right? Take time to invest truth in these people. When you do, all you're doing is making our fellowship stronger. You're making it better. We're creating here what God has always intended the local church to be. That's this beautiful expression of Himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Where there's complete fullness and joy and unity. Blessing. And so all barriers are dropped in fellowship. Not about the language you speak. It's not about the school you go to, how old you are, how much money you make, what color you are, what gender you are or think you are. All that falls short when it comes to the cross. And and we can connect there in fellowship. I shared with you last week a little bit about being in Haiti. And I experienced this thing. I couldn't speak the language of these people. I don't know what they were saying. I don't know what they were singing. But there was a, and there is a spirit, right? Paul teaches that there is one spirit. And there's one Father. And the Father that they were worshiping, for me, I was like, that's my Father. And the Spirit that's in them that's causing them to worship is the same Spirit that's in me that causes me to worship. And it's like there's fellowship even where there would be a barrier. And it was really awesome to experience. Not very long out of this country, but long enough to learn a ton about myself and about my God. And so that's fellowship. All right? It's mutually beneficial and it's something that we're to focus on and when we do, we find joy in as we participate in that. And so it's exclusive as well to Christians. And here's what Paul writes elsewhere. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness? That's just a rhetorical question. All he's saying is those two things cannot find fellowship. Because they're not of the same mind. They're not of the same spirit. They're not under the same Father. They're not of the same faith. They're not part of the same body. That's not to say you can't be and I can't be a friend with somebody that's not a believer. It just means we're not going to fellowship with them because that's a God thing. That's a rooted in Christ thing. That's a spirit thing. That's a oneness thing that comes through faith in Christ and Christ alone. So fellowship's for the believers. And where there's true fellowship, guys, there's great joy. Like when you walk in, who are you looking for? When you walk in, is there somebody that you're like, when I see, you just bring such joy to me. I love the smile on your face. I love just the little skip in your step. You know, even if it's behind a walker or alongside a cane. I just love the way that you come back always with something positive when you have opportunity to be negative because of maybe things going on in your life. That's the kind of people that we're to be. 
when somebody walks in and they see us, it's like, oh man, thank you, Lord. They encourage my spirit. They refresh my soul. And it challenges us in return to be the same thing. When I walk in, Lord, who can I be refreshing to? Who can I encourage? Use me how you've gifted me to be a blessing to this group of people. You've probably heard of a gentleman by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I want to share with you here just a little story from his life. Uh, he was ultimately executed by Hitler or that regime uh, in 1945. He was a follower of Christ and somebody who had experienced the great joy in fellowship. As being a captive, however, he was shifted from location to location to location and through the shifting, he lost all contact with everything that he knew common and all people that he knew dear to his heart. And so every relationship was severed. And here's what he said. He said, the, the most precious possession that I have lost is fellowship. Or he's written a book called Life Together and that's what this is about. But here's what he writes about the richness of fellowship. So he's imprisoned. He's leading uh, up to the point of his death. He's lost. Here's what he says. He says, the physical ab absence of other Christians, or the physical presence, rather, of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. A physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. How inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. And he goes on to write, Let him who has such a privilege thank God on his knees and declare it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in fellowship with Christian brothers. Right? If, if you couldn't gather with this group of people, if for some reason you were hindered from this point forward, what kind of effect would that have on you? Could you and I just walk away and go, oh, that's alright, not a big deal. If it's not a big deal, then we're not doing it right. If we can walk away from this and it not have an effect on us, we're not doing it right. You know, God has shifted some people here in the last few years from our church to other churches. And in conversation with them before they have moved on, Tears. Just feeling broken and sad and, and yet also feeling like this was a God move. Nothing negative, nothing pushing them away or out. They said, this is hard. This hurts. And I said, you know what that says to me? It says in some ways we've been doing it right. Because if it's easy to, for you to walk out those doors and never think about us again, then we've got some issues here that we need to resolve. I would say true fellowship is not happening. And I believe it is on some levels, and I believe we can do better. But it's going to have to be something we focus on. And as we do, we're going to find joy in it, just like Mr. Bonhoeffer said of his life. So it focuses on and it finds joy in the unity of other believers. And then here last and quickly, fellowship with God is displayed by how we live. 
Well, I tell students all the time, you're a product of what you let in your mind. Oh, I can watch that movie. It's not a big deal. I can listen to foul language. It's not a big deal. It's not going to have any influence on me. You know, I can play these games where there's a lot of violence and bloodshed and hurting people, but it's not going to, it's not going to have any effect on me. It's like, go ahead. You know, just try that out and see if it works for you. Well, really what I say is, guys, that's foolish. I've got a couple stories I share, and I've shared those with you here, just of how I can still recall in my mind right now lyrics to songs that you would be embarrassed that I know. I'm embarrassed that I know them. I won't let my mind go there, but I know it's there. And sometimes I know it's there because when something happens and I get hurt, there's something that pops in my mind. And sometimes that's not a God thought. And I think, God, where did that thought come from? And it's Corey. It's what you let in your mind, son. You thought you could just let stuff in and it wouldn't have any kind of influence on you and you're foolish. See, John's going to make a point very clear here. What we're connected to is displayed. It comes out of us. So if we're connected to fellowship, we'll live like people who are part of the fellowship of Jesus Christ. If we're not connected to the fellowship, then we'll live like people who aren't connected to the fellowship. Our colors, our banner will be pretty clear pretty quickly. It's just basically having your walk match your talk. Here's what he says. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, with Jesus, and yet we walk in the darkness, we what? We lie. And we do not live out the truth. Where I'm not walking in close fellowship with the Father and the Son, my life will display that. It doesn't matter what I say. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Okay, what's your life prove? What does my life prove? Right where there's fellowship, what we're saying here, there will be a demonstration of Christ-likeness in how we live. And so you'll look at me and go, ah, he's not perfect. I can point out his flaws, and I've been here long enough. You know my flaws and weaknesses. But I pray as well you can see how some of those have been developed. They've been trained. They've been minimized. Others have been strengthened. I can see that in my own life. Right? Why does that happen? Not because I'm good. All I've proven is that I mess it up over and over again. And when I try by myself, it breaks. But when I rely on the Lord, when I fellowship with Him, there's transformation. And I'm living in that right now. I'm in just a sweet spot with the Lord, His Word, His Spirit, my eyes, just the way I see things. It's just a, a special time. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But I pray for my life and I pray for us together that when people look at you, they see how oh, he or she, are, they're connected to the Father. They live this way because of the influence of Christ in their life. What they post about on social media is because of the influence of Christ in their life. Why they give the way that they give why they're committed or involved in the community in the ways that they are is because of the influence of Christ in their life.
where there's fellowship, there will be this display by how we live. So fellowship's not an afterthought. Right? This wasn't something Christians came up with. Now that you're saved, what do we do? What do we do? We just hang out till we die? No, we fellowship. And we be devoted to that is what Acts tells us. And we've seen that it's extremely important. It's connected to salvation. We write this to you who are believers so that you'll have fellowship with us. That's your next step. And not only do you have fellowship with us, but you have fellowship with God in some amazing way, the Father, and in His Son, Jesus. And so focus on the fellowship. And as you do, you'll find joy in the fellowship. Take the chance. Ask the question. Hey, on your way out, can I just talk to you for 30 seconds? Tell me one thing that I can pray for you about. I see you come in and out of here each week and I just haven't talked to you a whole lot. I want to get to know you better. So how can I pray for you? How was your week? What do you have going on? Be intentional beyond the, hey, how are you? Have a nice day. Fellowship is what God has created us for while we remain on this planet. And ultimately, that's what we'll enjoy forever with Him in, in His heaven. So if there's a priority of fellowship, according to Scripture, have we made fellowship a priority in our life? I mean, this all starts, guys, with faith in Jesus Christ. Where there's no faith, there will be no fellowship. Darkness and light don't mix. Not that we can't be friends. We're just not soulmates. We're just not spirit to spirit. Or we're not spirit to spirit. And so it all starts by acknowledging I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to save me from my sins. And so I'm asking here, I I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. I've proven over and over again that I mess it up, but Your Word says I can ask. And so I'm asking, will You save me from my sins? And His promise is, I'll save you. And I'll forgive every last one of them, even the ones you haven't committed yet. I'll cover it. You've got to trust in Me. And for Your mutual good, Connect yourself to those who believe so that you might be a benefit to them and so they might be a benefit to you in return. And then pray and ask God, God, let my life be a demonstration of You. Shine through me. Where I want to be rude, quiet my tongue. Where I think a thought that's not holy, it's not God-honoring, then help me take that captive. No, I'm not thinking that. I'm not going there. So purify me. Get my mind on things above, not on things that are just temporarily here satisfying to flesh or to pride or to anger or to revenge. Let my life be a demonstration of you. So if this is to be a priority of life, I'll ask you one last time, is it a priority in your life?